that talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It's the Tuesday edition, and this is now going to be like the first one of the week. We're on the new schedule. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. And so we're, we're like getting into the offseason here, and we have a huge discussion ahead about the NFL decisions for multiple Ohio State Buckeyes. Monday was the deadline. Nathan's been writing 15 stories all day. We're going to talk about who's staying, who's leaving. Again, just so you guys know, this is the schedule for you to expect now until we tell you otherwise. Tuesday through Saturday, five days a week of Buckeye Talk. We're going to reset depth charts for 2021 later this week. We're going to talk about assistant coaches later this week. We're going to do a little NFL draft preview later this week. But right now, we're going to start with who's staying and who's leaving for the Ohio State Buckeyes. And you guys probably know about it, you know, because you kind of know what's going on if you listen to this podcast. But we're going to frame it with a thing we did back in before the Michigan game was supposed to be played in mid-December. It's something we've done here at Cleveland.com for several years, which is we make predictions about which underclassmen may be playing their last home game as senior day is taking place and their senior day got screwed up. They never get to have a senior day, but they were going to have one who is maybe not doing senior day, but is not going to be back. So we're going to use that and see where we were right and where we were wrong, because there were some surprises here. The first one was Justin Fields. We all said he was going to leave. Steven, he left, right? Are we surprised, Steven? No, I'm surprised it took this long. You, I thought it would maybe be 48 hours after the game. He waited up to the deadline, which means the graphic probably took a little bit longer to make. They did do very lovely graphics. The graphics department at Ohio State was working overtime. Everybody got a graphic. They kind of were dropping them throughout the day. Obviously, no surprise here, Nathan, but I don't know. We're saying goodbye to Justin Fields. I mean, and we'll say goodbye to Justin Fields in a bigger, larger way during the course of this offseason, but this was the day that officially – Justin Fields left Ohio State. He will not play another football game here, and he's going to the NFL. I mean, we got him. We got to mark it in some way, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think they got almost everything they would have wanted out of Justin Fields. I mean, I think obviously they wanted to win a national championship. They thought they had a team, a window of team that he was joining here that could win a national championship. You got to the championship game. You got to the playoffs the other year. He was a Heisman finalist one of the two years. And if if this season had been a little bit more conventional, you could have seen how he could have figured out how to get there again this year too. So I, I think, you know, again, yeah, like you say, we'll, we'll go into a stronger remembrance of him, but it's almost too bad. I almost wish that maybe he had picked a different day to declare because he kind of deserved maybe more attention than just kind of getting folded in with sort of the cascade of all the other announcements that came out today. He definitely deserved his own pod of, you know, maybe even the discussion is who we think the kind of ranking some of these Ohio State quarterbacks in history. I've seen some textures we're talking about. You know, Troy Smith would deserve a mention if we did a pod like that, but he definitely deserved his own 24-hour period of talking about. I told uh, Justin's dad this during the course of this season, I, I, and I think I've mentioned it here. I just think he's one of the most important Buckeyes in modern Ohio State football history for a variety of ways. And listen, he didn't win the Heisman, and he didn't win a national title. So then that, right, I mean, you, you have, I guess, a little bit of a ceiling on that. But in terms of the player he was – when he arrived in the arc of the program, sort of where he helped take the program from as a tra- transitional guy, the start of the Ryan Day era. And and we don't know what Ryan Day is going to wind up doing, right? We don't know what Ryan Day's legacy is going to be. But everything about Justin Fields is the foundational piece of the Ryan Day era, whatever that era is. So if Ryan Day goes on and becomes one of the five best coaches in college football history, Justin Fields becomes even bigger because Justin Fields helps set up whatever Ryan Day becomes, both from the standpoint of how you play quarterback at this school, what quarterback can be, how much winning they did right away. There was no bump after losing a legend in Urban Meyer. And if you take Justin Fields out of that equation, or if Justin Fields, you know, is really talented, but you know, I don't know, has a couple more bad games or something like you, you change the arc of the start of this era. So we will do more Justin Fields down the line, but we knew it was coming and uh, he'll be missed. 
Sean Wade. We all said he would leave. Nathan, I it felt like I saw at least one other outlet for Ohio State write a piece that suggested, or I don't know exactly how to phrase it, like opened up the door of like him coming back again. That And I don't know if the idea was, okay, he was in the slot, now he's outside, now he should come back. I just never gave it even one second of thought that Sean Wade would be back. So he's gone, but I don't know. Did, did anybody ever really think in the, since the end of the season that he maybe would stay? No, there was a quote that he gave after the championship game, right, where he said something. I don't have it right in front of me, but just the way he answered a question kind of left – I think people interpreted that as him saying something about coming back in the fall. And I, I never wrote one of those pieces because I never thought that that was legitimately an opportunity for him. I mean, it was obviously an opportunity for him, but I didn't think he was going to take it. It just seemed like he had already twice almost left. I think it's, it, it's beyond whether it's beyond what his NFL standing is right now. He just falls into that category. Additionally, I think his NFL future is there but he also falls in that category of guys who are just ready to i think get on with their lives he's got his degree he's been in school for four years i I think it's just he's it's his time to leave i just don't know what good can come from him coming back honestly at some point you start getting over analyzed with guys when they keep coming back i think he's shown what he could show and that's going to be that at this point he has some good tape out there i mean this is one of those things again and this happens to everybody we all lurch back and forth too far. It's what, it's what sports media does. It's what sports fans do. And, and sometimes that's good for players. Sometimes it's bad for players. Sean didn't play as well as he wanted to play this year. Sean Wade is still a good football player, right? So, I mean, like there's this, if you think like, Oh man, that guy's like Sean Wade's a good football player. I don't think he'll be a first round pick. I think he'll be a high pick. I mean, I think I'm sure he'll be a day two pick. I don't know where, He might, his future might be more in the slot in the NFL, whatever. But that guy's a really good football player. Led the defense in snaps. We are now the 11, our friends at 11 Warriors have finished their snap counts for this season. Had 520 snaps, according to 11 Warriors. More than anybody on this defense was really important. And I want to, we'll do another separate podcast to really dig on some of of this early NFL stuff. And we're really talking about the decisions and we're going to get into the depth chart stuff later. We're trying to slim down the podcast a little bit in the off season, frankly, trying to be a little slimmer. We're going on a diet. The podcast is going on a diet real quick about going on a podcast diet and taking, making it slimmer. I had a dream the other night and my dream was that I don't know if I was at my house or I was at this other person's house, but I was interviewing Jack Miller, but it wasn't, it didn't look like Jack Miller, but it, it looked like uh the, the kid from Austin and Alley, that Disney show about the people oh. who work in a music store for like 12 years ago. Steven, you didn't watch Austin and Alley when you were in seventh grade. What are you doing? Come on. That's not that's not my time period. So he looked like that blonde kid, but he was Jack Miller. And I was interviewing Jack Miller about playing quarterback here. And for whatever reason, my one of the guinea pigs from my house was there with me. Uh, Arlo, the guinea pig, was there. And Jack Miller had a cat. And Jack Miller's cat started trying to eat the guinea pig. And I don't know, again, whether I was at Jack Miller's house or at my house, but I was screaming at someone like, I'm trying to interview the quarterback. Could someone else please be in charge of making sure Jack Miller's cat doesn't eat my daughter's guinea pig? So that's like a stress dream I have. Like, I don't normally dream about quarterbacks and guinea pigs together, but it's like work stress. That's where my head is at the end of this year. So, again, I just wanted to make sure I, I got to talk about guinea pigs and quarterbacks together. Well, I find it ironic. Two things. First of all, you introduced that as being something about the podcast getting slimmed down mm. in the coming weeks when in actuality, yeah. all that did was bloat this particular podcast. But secondly, is that a premonition? Is Jack Miller going to be the starting quarterback this fall? <laughs> I think it's either it's either Jack Miller's going to be the starting quarterback or our guinea pig's going to die. So hmm. if the guinea pig is alive in September, that's a good sign for Jack Miller. Um, like a really twisted Groundhog Day thing going on. Yeah. It's what's, like, the, what's the shelf life of a guinea pig? Because um, like six years, yeah, six years apparently, which I'm not really okay. into. But yeah, but I, mean, I don't, I don't know. Um, the momentum is saying that that guinea pig is is, is not going to have a long life. <laughs> yeah, you're betting on the guinea pig dying rather than Jack Miller oh, being yeah. the starting quarterback. Uh, oh, yeah. Right now, just right now. I do want to know if Jack Miller has a cat now. So, I mean, like if, if, I, if that comes up during spring football, if I ask in a Zoom, if Jack Miller has a cat, you'll know why. Um, all right. So Sean Wade led the team in snaps. Good luck to Sean Wade. No surprise uh, that he is not back. Wyatt Davis. 
We all said he was going to leave. He left. No drama there, Stephen. But again, this guy is this guy is an, an excellent. He's a he's a consensus. Was he Nathan? Was he unanimous All American or, or consensus All American? Unanimous. Yep. I mean, like in the history of Ohio State, and I didn't look it up beforehand. We should look it up. I mean, they have it in the media guide. There's been a gazillion All-Americans at Ohio State. There have not been a gazillion unanimous All-Americans. That's where this guy reached where he was in the college football universe. He was a unanimous All-American. We've got to acknowledge him at least a little bit on the way out, Stephen, even though I all knew it was coming. Yeah, one of the best guards to come through here, one of the best interior linemen to come through here. And it's just, it's just interesting seeing some of the parallels between him and Sean Wade's last year here. Both of those guys probably could have left last year and been high draft picks for their position. I'm not going to say first round because it's hard for interior linemen to be that, but opt out, then opt back in. They play and Wyatt Davis pretty much has the season that he wanted to have. He was one of the best guards in the country while Sean Wade, not so much. And and so for Wyatt Davis, you thought he was probably going to be the first or second guard taken off the board. And it seems like that's going to be the case. And we'll see with Sean Wade where he ends up falling. I hope, I, and I would guess this is true from like the team standpoint of the way the season played out, how many games they got to play, what Ohio State did as a team, you know, aside from the NFL draft stuff, Nathan, I, I hope Sean Wade and Wyatt Davis feel like they made the right decision in, in coming back because a, they could have left and gone to the NFL and that's a different thing or B they could have opted out and then just, you know, worked out on their own and not played this season. Those are two very different decisions, but I hope, I hope they got something out of the decision they did make, which is they got to the national championship game and they avenged the Clemson loss. Yeah, I, I don't think it was as if Sean Wade was guaranteed of being a first-round pick and then came back and played his way out of it. Uh, maybe that would have been on the board for him last year. I don't know. But I think it, the reason they came back was because they – part of the reason was NFL teams wanted to see him play outside. They didn't want him – it didn't it didn't behoove him to go in as just a slot corner, just an inside guy. So maybe that didn't go the way that they had hoped. Um, but if, if he also still is in a first-round corner, he didn't really lose that much ground, I don't think. I, and I think it makes him a better football player in the long run. I think it, it makes him a better draft prospect in the long run to have shown that. If you can get in the NFL and play for like 10 or 12 years as a, as a slot guy, nickel guy, maybe if he never even goes outside, but that doesn't mean there isn't a role for him in the NFL. I think what helps is neither one of those guys had to sit out for protocol reasons. Both of those guys made it through the season. I know, obviously, why Davis broke down in the national championship game because of a knee issue, and Sean had a little issue in the Michigan State game where he had to miss some snaps. But for the most part, they got through this season clean. Yeah, that's true. They 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 got the most out of it they could. And again, talking about how many snaps, I think Wyatt played about as many snaps as anybody on offense who wasn't named Justin Fields because so many other people did miss a little bit of time here and there. Uh, Justin Fields, according to 11 Warriors, 576 snaps. Wyatt Davis, 546 snaps. And then that was more than anybody else in the offensive line because Thayer, Munford, Josh Myers, and Nicholas Petit-Frere all had the game they missed because of COVID. And as you said, Stephen, like Wyatt Davis didn't have that. So I hope I hope they got a lot out of it. Let's go to the next the next guy. This is the first guy where one of us was wrong on what he was going to do because we were split on it. And that was Josh Myers. I said he would stay. Stephen and Nathan, you both said he would leave. Nathan, he left. But according to your reporting, he struggled a bit with that decision. Is that right? As far as you know? Yeah. I mean, people talking to people close to him, they said that it was not an easy decision that I think, you know, there are guys who come to, even if, even when you're a five-star prospect, I think there's definitely guys who come to college with their eye already on the horizon a little bit. And I don't know if he was really one of those guys and not, not, I mean, certainly he was hoping, I think maybe to build to an NFL career down the line. I just think it kind of came into his lap maybe a little bit sooner than he was expecting. Um, I don't think it was a big serious topic of conversation after last season as to whether he would stay or go, but it sounds like maybe the feedback that they received was uh, compelling enough that they decided that now was the time to go. But yeah, that, that's what I was told was that he, you know, really kind of that he didn't enjoy this process very much. 
this process of having to make this decision, which you think is kind of maybe counter to what you would assume, right? That you're, you're looking at like, well, it's a, it's a great decision either way, right? Either you're going to come back and, and maybe be the favorite to win the Remington trophy and try to help your team win a, get back to the playoffs and maybe win a national championship, or you're going to be an NFL draft pick. What's the downside? Well, either way, you're passing something up that's considerable. So I, I, it, that was what I was told that he just really didn't enjoy this process over the last few weeks. I wonder if some of that is because he's an Ohio guy. And so this is, you know, the hometown kid making it a pretty a grown up decision about you know, leaving another year to play for the t- team. He probably grew up rooting for to go chase his dream, obviously, versus, you know, making, you know, I, I don't know, maybe some of that is because he is an Ohio guy. So it's a little bit more of an emotional decision than it would be for a guy like Wyatt Davis, with all due respect, who's from California, who came here to develop as an NFL player. I think that's probably true. I think that, I mean, the guys we're talking about, Justin Fields, not an Ohio guy. Sean Wade, not an Ohio guy. Wyatt Davis, not an Ohio guy. Josh Myers wanted to be a Buckeye, very easy recruitment. But Joshua Myers was also like a gigantic recruit. Man, yeah. that was like a five-star. He was like a five-star tackle from a team that ran the ball a lot. You didn't know exactly where he might fit, but that was like a huge get when he got him. So he is he's a, a, he was a huge national recruit, but a local guy. So I don't know in the end. Again, we were split on it. As this was happening, I would not have been surprised either way. I don't know. Did you guys have a guess on a, or a strong lean on him in the no. end? I mean, we, we, you know, we said it in December and we could change our minds by now. I still thought either made sense for him potentially. You, you asked, you said something early in this podcast about me writing all these stories. And the truth is I didn't write most of them today. I've been writing them over the past couple of weeks. I wrote, wrote them on the plane coming back from where were we? Miami. Miami. <laughs> it's been a long couple of weeks. Listen, yeah. Um, I was just, I almost said New Orleans and I, I uh, that wouldn't have been correct because it was after that. But Josh Myers is the only one that I wrote two versions of because I honestly didn't know oh. I was that split on it. Yeah, I think with him, I, I know I said leave, but I, I do think some of with his, his is because he's a center, there's an aspect of when you get that draft grade back, is it is it going to get any higher? Or is, it, is this what it's going to be? Is this the best it's going to be for the position you play? And so do you have to weigh that versus coming back to maybe not even move up, be in the same exact position? Yeah, and I think it would have made sense. And I can understand. I mean, I can understand why he would have been stressed about that. But I hope he feels good about it because, I mean, it is. It's not like he had, he had two good choices. There was no wrong choice mm-hmm. for something like that. So, all right, we'll take a quick break, and we will come back with one of the most surprising NFL decisions that I've seen in my time covering Ohio State next on Buckeye Talk. All right, back on Buckeye Talk, Chris Olave, when we did it in December, we had a pretty strong consensus. Leave, leave, leave. He stayed. Steven, you said it as soon as he released it on Twitter, you texted us and said, well, that was a surprise, whatever you said. How, how, how would you grade or how would you rate your level of surprise at the Chris Olave decision to come back in 2021. Nine and a half out of 10. And the half was literally because of something we talked about earlier this year, where it's you people just see him as a deep ball threat who, when you go to those intermediate and short routes and he has to do stuff after the ball, he can put it on the ground sometimes, but that's something that's easily fixable. That's just doing it and not putting the ball on the ground. So nine, nine and a half out of 10 sur- surprise, he stole the Garrett Bolitnikoff year away from me and Garrett, more importantly, Garrett. Um, and it, it, that, I mean, I just, I, I, I'm, it re- and people are throwing out there the idea that he must have really had some confidence in whether it's C.J. Stroud, Jack Miller, or even maybe if he's seen Kyle McCord throw in film before, he must really have faith in whoever Ohio State's next quarterback is. And that's all fine. But if you're a, a borderline first round, you know, early second round at worst guy, that grade must have been a lot worse than we all thought it was going to be. Oh, no, no. I don't think it's fair to say that. Why would you – you think you think his NFL grade was not what he expected it to be? I don't think that's fair to say. I, I would – I do not automatically leap to that. I, no, no I way. That's not, it's not number one on my list, but it's, it's like number four or five on the list just because – I don't know. If, I mean, if you're if you're grading out as a first rounder, I don't know why you're. There's no doubt. I can't imagine there's any doubt that he graded out really high. Whatever, yeah. whatever it is. I just I don't think that's what it is. I, I now listen, and I'm not even sure. We I mean we got to make sure. 
I should know and I don't. I don't know exactly at the moment what the, spe- the specific way they, they give you your rating is. I should know it off the top of my head and I don't. But I don't think that's it. When you watch that kid play, you see yeah. what the NFL draft analysts say about him. And listen, he's not Jamar Chase and he's not Devontae Smith and he's not Jalen Waddell. I get it. But man, like he's almost a unanimous first round pick. So obviously, Steven, I think if he was going to be the number one pick in the draft, he would have gone. But that's not my read on this, that it is somehow related to a a great, you know, believing that he's not going to go as high as he wanted to go. Now, that's a little different than believing that he can raise his stock and maybe you can raise it from, I think maybe I'll go in the twenties to maybe, well, could I go in the top 10? I guess that could be part of it, but this just feels to me like more of a personal decision. I don't know. And I don't, I didn't sound like I talked to him, but who's talked to him, Steven, you talked to him I've before talked the to year. Him and, yeah. And to be honest, like some of the conversations we had were about him solidifying himself as a first round draft pick. And I, that was before the season, and I didn't write a thing because out of respect for him, he wanted to focus on this season, and that's not what the story I was writing at the time was. But I was really interested in when that decision came out that, hey, I'm declaring of reaching out to him again and maybe revisiting that conversation we had because he's clearly solidified himself as a first-rounder. So may, maybe you're right. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it is, you know, Devonta Smith and Jamar Chase are in this draft, and maybe – and some other guys are in this draft, or maybe he's the fourth or fifth wide receiver taken in the first round where next year, maybe it's not as deep as a class, or maybe he's the second or first wide receiver taken in the draft. But I was from the way we talked before the season, this was it. This was his chance to solidify himself as a first round draft pick. He went out there and did that. He went out there and redeemed the Clemson game and all of that. He had basically everything he set out to do this season. He went and did it. I don't think it's a guarantee that he had solidified himself as a no doubt first round draft pick. Uh, He's not that big. He's six one. Uh, It's not like prototypical NFL receiver size necessarily, or at least first round receiver size. You know, they like guys that can combine size and speed and a lot of other categories. Um, I think he's a great receiver. I'm not saying I wouldn't take him in the first round. I'm just saying that I don't know that it was a given that he was going to get there. And especially it all comes down to, as as you were just saying, Steven, it's also who else is in your draft class. Yeah, but, so Mark this is what, six foot. So. Uh, yeah, I think it's not. They're, they're not looking yeah. for tr- trees no. anymore. He's a good. He's he's a good route running. He has good hands. I think. I don't know if 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 somebody sold him on the Devonte Smith plan, right? Which is what everyone's talking about. It's like Devonte Smith. If he would have come out last year out of Alabama, would have been a first round pick, but maybe later in the draft. And now he's going to be higher in the first round, and he won a national title, and he won the Heisman. So I don't know what it is. Listen. It's their lives. I mean, we are not questioning anybody's personal decision about what they choose to do. It is their life. It is their career. And we're not here to say anybody made the wrong decision. Um, I, I am intrigued. Like, I hope you don't go like too far with that idea of like, Hey, look, Devonte Smith, <laughs> Yeah. Had the best receiver a college receiver has had in three decades come back and do that. It's like, well, yeah, but like nobody does that. Right. So um, but but I wonder I wonder, like, if that if that played into it, like like Nathan, what do you what more can he do? And I did see it. Josh Perry put it on Twitter. And it, it, Stephen, you mentioned it. The idea of if you think you're coming back to a guy who can't throw. You know, it's not going to make you look good if your quarterback can't play quarterback. So he must feel good about the person who's playing quarterback. But Nathan, what do you think he needs? To, what what else does he need to do? Like, what can he do better that's going to change how people – he's not – you're saying, okay, well, he's not that big. Well, he's not going to grow while he's here. Right, like, right. What, what's he going to do to well, I mean, you know, maybe, draft stock? But that's also – that can be an argument either way in some ways. You can – that could be just the, – the argument could just easily go that, well, if you if you can't – if you've got a ceiling, then come back, try to win another national championship, come back and have a great season, come back and finish your career, uh, and there's no downside to that either. I mean, you know, we're looking at the PFF Top 100 that they put out. I think he's like – he was like fifth among receivers. Um, that still had him 22 overall, but like that, that's still – that's ahead of Kadavius Tony. That's ahead of Rondell Moore. I mean, I think Rondell Moore is a better all-in football player than Chris Olave is, and I think Chris Olave is a really good – uh, football player but you know what i'm saying like now once you start getting down to like maybe you're only the sixth seventh eighth best 
receiver in this draft class. That that's part of the grade too. I think that that has to be factored in. So, I, like, I think there's a lot of factors here. It isn't just uh, are you ready? Are you? I mean, because the same goes back to Sean Wade last year. I mean, Sean Wade could have come out last year and been drafted maybe in the first two rounds, and and there was reason to come back. No, but but that's a bad comparison because Sean Wade came back to play. He came a back for a specific position. thing. You're right. You're to right. Do yeah. something he had not done before. What I'm asking is, what can Chris Olave do that he hasn't already done? That's what I'm asking. And the idea of, well, if you are who you are, what's the downside in coming back? The downside is like for some reason you drop. Like I'm like I don't, I don't I don't agree with that thinking either. It's like if you are who you are, if you can't only from the draft perspective. And my point is that's not the only consideration. Right. Sometimes guys want to chase a national title. Sometimes they want to be with their friends at Ohio State. Sometimes they want to finish a degree. Sometimes they're just not ready with where they are in their life. They just want to do it. He's only a th- he was a three-star recruit from California who I bet got better faster than he ever planned. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he's catching touchdowns in the Michigan game as a true freshman. He was one of the lower-rated guys in his recruiting class. This is not a guy that came in with huge expectations. And all of a sudden – Fresh, true freshman year, catching touchdowns in the Michigan game, true sophomore year, like they're throwing you the ball in the semifinal to win the game, and you have this heartbreaking ending. True junior year, you're practically the centerpiece of the offense. It might have gotten on him pretty quick. Right? We were talking- I, I, agree, I agree with that 100%. Because like, like you said, I think there were maybe only two guys rated lower than him in that 2018 class. He showed up in the summer, so it's not like he was on the same track that Garrett Wilson was on as an early enrollee who you expected to play right away. And he only got on the field because Austin Mack got hurt. So all of a sudden, he's put into this position in the Michigan State game where he's catching the ball. In the Michigan game, he goes off. I, I think to the Devonta Smith plan, I, that, I understand that they tried to sell him on some idea version of that. But also part of that plan is Jalen Waddle got hurt, so he started going nuts. So are we in order for that to also be the case? It's some of that is Garrett, knock on wood, Garrett Wilson would have to get hurt, so he would have to start going nuts. Which is, I, I mean, you can't bake them. That's not a, a real thing to sell somebody on. Yeah, we've talked so much about it from kind of the other perspective. Like I was saying earlier about Sean Wade being like maybe just ready to get on with his life because there are people who just start that clock in their mind earlier. And I think you're right. I think it's possible that Chris Olave's clock didn't really start until maybe maybe it hasn't really started in some ways or or not you know you know what i'm saying like he just wasn't thinking of himself there's guys who by the time they get to the end of that third year they are they are done with school they're ready to move on and that doesn't work for everybody yeah and I, so like i i'm i'm i am like you were a nine and a half out of ten steven is that what you said yeah. yeah yeah i mean i think that sounds about right like that just it just feels like it feels very surprising like is that is that how you would express it, Nathan, that like just like incredibly surprised by this. I was surprised, but not shocked. I'd be, I guess I would have been like an eight. Okay. So I'm looking again at the, at the, so the, the receiver rankings from PFF had Jamar Chase five, Waddle seven, Devontae Smith. This is overall players, Devontae Smith eight. And again, let's see if they have a, do they take a lobby off already? Rashard Bateman was 18. And then I guess they've taken Olave off now because he's done. Well, I, I've got the one that they posted last week. Olave was 22. Ahead of Rondale Moore, right? Ahead of yeah. Cadavius Tony and Rondale Moore. Yeah, I don't know. It's great. It's a great, crazy bonus for Ohio State. So um, I just never saw it coming. And I don't think he'll improve his draft stock that much because he's not quite the – whatever his size is, he's not quite the um, – just incredibly physically gifted kind of guy, right? He is a really good receiver. He's fast. He has good hands. He runs routes, but he's not like a physical freak. So um, I do think at some point there becomes a ceiling to that. And I would expect that he'll come back and do more of what he's done, but I thought he had showed everything he could show. And it's not like they can feature him more. He played a, he played constantly. He was on the field more than any Ohio State receiver in recent years with how much he played. So he'll come back and do the same thing. I mean, unless, I don't know, unless Ryan Day told him, unless he and Garrett are going to switch off and they're all going to play every position, every snap, and you don't know where they're going to be, and they're all going to be slots and X's and Z's, and I don't know, but I don't know that that's the deal either. So uh, very surprising. And we have to, when we get to the depth chart, 
podcast. A little bit like with Thayer Munford coming back and what I said before about Paris Johnson, it throws off the expectations a little bit because at the moment in the 2020 recruiting class, Julian Fleming was the overall number three player. Paris Johnson was the overall number nine player. And the two guys that they thought they would be sliding in as starters in their sophomore year, both the guys in front of them came back. So Chris Olave to Julie is to Julian Fleming as Thayer Munford is to Paris Johnson. Now it doesn't mean Paris Johnson and Julian Fleming won't get on the field, but I guarantee you in the recruiting process, it was talked about, Hey, this will happen. Maybe you'll win a job as a freshman, but if not, by your sophomore year, the job will be there for you to have the opportunity to win, and it's not. And as we said, things could change, but that's that's true, right, Stephen? Isn't that true? Yeah. I, I, that's probably I not so much true with Fleming, because no, at the I, time they were recruiting him, Olave was not yet Olave. Yeah, he was. But, but the time they were was. first recruiting him? Well, the time he Olave signed was here. Clear, yeah, well, by the time, time he signed, but I mean, when, when yeah, did he okay, commit? When he, when he committed in May... It was already clear that Olave was going to be a part of that six-man rotation that they were going to have. In okay, be a part of the rotation, but we're not talking. We're not right. talking about him as so, a potential first-round so guy. To the, to, the, to the point I'm going to make is that I I think the six-man rotation might be a thing again next year because I I think part mm. some version of it. I, How? I, 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 How? I don't. I don't uh, Garrett Wilson and Chris man. Olave are going to play less. Chris Olave's man, coming back it's... to play less. Okay, but this is a depth chart conversation. Yeah, yeah, no, slimming. we're slimming. But, but, and and I'm not more I'm not, games. It's this more is... games, and you don't have to be as impressive from the get. Uh, depth chart. We can do that later. Well, I mean, it's one of those things. I don't care what the depth chart is. If there's a six man rotation against Bowling Green, I don't care. That's not what the point yeah. is. There's six man rotation against Penn State. I don't. Chris Olave is going to play less, so. I'm not yeah. going to – I mean, my my Quinn Ewers argument is too many good players. My Chris Olave returning argument is too many good players. My fair, I mean, it's the same argument. And, like, if that's the argument about your program, I mean, you sound like a crazy person making the argument. But it's interesting. We already talk about how crowded the receiver room is, and then the best guy in it unexpectedly stayed. So it's like, okay, well, now what? So that's – but listen, Chris Olave has done nothing at Ohio State other than do everything right. He does everything right. So this is what's right for him. And the guy's like a borderline All-American. It's like, oh, no, he's back. No, it's a great thing for Ohio State. They just got some figuring to do. That's all. And we were surprised by it. So it's great news for Ohio State when a player this good chooses to remain part of your program for four years. Another guy in that boat, Jeremy Ruckert, in December, Nathan said leave. Steven and I said, stay Nathan. Were you surprised in the end here in January that Jeremy Ruckert also chose to remain at Ohio state for his senior year? No, but by the time the decision came today, I thought it could maybe still go either way, but I was leaning towards him staying. Um, I, I don't, it just felt like just from things I was hearing that there was still enough for him to prove this year um, taking everything he's done this year, all the gains he's made is kind of an all around tight end. And then just enhancing those, refining those, pushing those up to another level. There, there seemed like a lot that he could gain this year. I, I think he's a guy who could get drafted this fall. He's a guy who could play on NFL teams already, but that doesn't mean as we were talking about before, it doesn't mean you can't really enhance your draft status. And then I think it, it may also come down. I haven't looked for sure, but it, it also affects who else is coming out as a tight end this year. I don't think that matters that much. What? Because like Kyle Pitts is awesome. Jeremy yeah, Ruckert wanted to stay in school. I mean, I don't. You, we don't know well, anything the, else about the tight end class. I think I saw people say he was the number three tight end. Yeah, no, a, I did see that from from PFF mm-hmm. had him ranked as a three tight. They had him as a top one hundred player. Yeah. So again, that this comes back to the if if you think if you're satisfied with third round and think that that's where you're going to be third, high fourth, whatever, then you go. But if you think if you're getting feedback that says there's a refinement of your game that could push you up into the first round or high second round or whatever. It's, it's worth it to come back. Ohio state has, I mean, listen again, I'm it's their lives. It's the right decision for them. I don't know what a first round Ohio state tight end looks like. Cause you're yeah. not going to go in the first round. If you have 14 catches. And so like, I don't, I mean, we can pretend mm-hmm. whatever the guy, given what he was told to do, the guy did everything it could do this year. 
as you said, came a long way as a blocker. Every time you throw it to him, he catches it. You just don't throw it to him that much. So if you're going to wait for the magic solution of, oh, now this, we've, it's a joke. It's a running joke. Oh, now he's going to have 50 catches? No, he's not. But it's his personal decision. He knows that. And now maybe they're selling him on it. I don't know. I don't know so what he, they're selling. But he played, he played a ton. So he was already a starter. So he was already the co-starter in a team that played 12 personnel a lot. Now he's clearly the best tight end. He's the number one guy. He'll be on the field every snap, but he was practically on the field every snap already. So I'm a little surprised by it. No, I'm not surprised. I thought it absolutely could have gone either way because, again, I'm not 100% sure what more he'll show that he hasn't shown because to me, the only thing he could show that he hasn't shown is catch it more because they throw it to him more. And I hope tight ends at Ohio state realize by now that you cannot bank on that, but this dude is a player and the NFL knows that the NFL figured it out. And listen, Jeff Hireman and Nick Vanette were like really good productive tight ends here. They were third round picks. I just don't know. I don't know what Jeremy Ruckett can do to become the 26th pick in the draft as a tight end at Ohio state. And, that's and the whole the running joke like, thing, I mean, made probably a lot more sense before Chris Olave, because then at least you can, you know, have some fun with it and say, it's just Garrett Wilson and a bunch of inexperienced wide receivers. So they get Jerry Ruckett involved more. Not now. I mean, they're just going to do what they did last year and throw the ball at Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. It's, it's worth noting Ruckett's decision came about six or seven hours earlier than Chris Olave's yeah. decision. Uh, but came. no, that's just when they rolled it out. Ohio State yeah. has a plan. They roll them out because they get the graphics ready and they don't want to step on each other. It doesn't mean uh, that, that he decided in the moment. No, I don't it think he decided right. in the moment, but I'm saying one decision may have come without knowledge of the other. Yeah. You, I don't think Jeremy Ruckert was making his decision based on whether Chris Olave came. No, out. no, probably not. But I, but, but to go to, to what you were just saying, everything I said before, I think is true that there are ways he can enhance himself. I think that's the other reason, though, why I was very up in the air on how this would land, because then you have to ask yourself if you're Jeremy Ruckert, can that happen here? Like, is it all these things I want to be able to show? I can, okay, I can go bulk up more or, or whatever and show more as a blocker, but am I really going to get the opportunity to show more as a receiver? I think if you extrapolated his numbers this year for a whole year, it would have been like 24 catches, 238 yards, and nine touchdowns, which is probably, a, which is obviously a, a pretty huge portion of your cat, your catches to go for scores. So I think he's shown what he could be in the red zone. It's, it's almost like the rest of the field. Like, w- will they ever? give him just a couple more targets throughout the rest of the field to show something else. And the answer is no, this helps the room more than it helps him. In my opinion, just because, I mean, we don't know what Farrell's going to do. So we could have been in a situation where it's Jake Hausman and a bunch of, okay. Yeah. Then it, we would have been in a situation where it was Jake Hausman and a bunch of guys who haven't done anything on the field. So this helps the room. All right, let's go one more guy. Uh, so we all, we already talked about the Thayer Munford is coming back as like the fifth-year senior with the extra eligibility. That's already a decision that was previously known. Tyreek Smith is another guy who announced today that he will be back for his fourth year. Uh, he was could have gone early as an NFL guy. In December, we all predicted that he would stay. Uh, he's a good player, man. He's another guy. When you And this is what I want to get into a little bit with his draft stuff. I mean – it was amazing to me, Nathan, obviously you looked at it too, that PFF top 100, there are Ohio state guys all over it. Ohio mm-hmm. state had like eight guys between like 70 and a hundred that this was not a team that other than Justin Fields, Justin Fields, Sean Wade, Wyatt Davis, or like the first round possible guys, but they had a boatload of dudes who were, who were being projected as second or third round guys. And three of them came back. So I'm not surprised, Stephen. Did you ever think there was a time that maybe Tyreek Smith would go? He's a really good player. He's a really good player, but I guess it, it, it made sense to me that he stayed. No, because I think he looks the part, but he's got to actually do it on film for a full year. And he started to do it at the end of this season, but I don't know if that's enough for the position he plays to make him drafted in a space where I think at least the way he's talked about and the way PFF views him, the way some of his own teammates, the guys like Chase Young viewed him, the way Larry Johnson talks about him, it doesn't always match the production. That's not always his fault. Sometimes he's just not healthy enough, but I do think there's a, he's got to put it fully together for a full season. And then if he, if he had done that, then yes, but he didn't do that this year. And it's too bad that he didn't get to show it in the national championship game too. Yeah. Um, him and Togi, I both really got deprived of something. Ohio state got deprived of something, but individually that's an, obviously a chance to showcase yourself potentially against the best team in the country. And they didn't get to do that. 
Tyreek Smith, 248 snaps this year, according to 11 Warriors, second among defensive ends to Jonathan Cooper. This makes sense to be in that I think I thought Rucker over the course of a whole season has shown what he can do. Olave over the course of a whole season has shown what he can do. It felt like Tyreek Smith was on an upswing at the end of the year and that to carry that over and say what I did the last couple games, I want to do that a whole season made sense to me. The only thing, and it's not why you go, he's a Cleveland guy could have been drafted in Cleveland. So who knows what the drafts get like anyway, but that is not a reason to go. So congratulations to Tyreek Smith for making the best decision to him. Congratulations to all these guys. It is their decision. It is their life. The only discussion, well, the discussion is twofold. What, how it affects Ohio state. And I just hope they get out of it, what they want to get out of it. And I hope, you know, it's the discussion of like, I just don't want anyone to be disappointed and say, man, why did I do that? Either way, why did I go? Oh my God, I could have come back and done this. Why did I stay? I didn't get to do what I thought. My draft status went down. But there is something else at play here. And I don't know, this was a, this was a discussion a lot. With this Alabama team this year, they had multiple guys, Devontae Smith, first and foremost, who did a year ago make decisions where they could have gone and they stayed. They had a couple guys like that. Alex Leatherwood, who ended up winning the Outland Trophy, is another one like that. And and some people were making the point of, hey, look what happened. Alabama's a player. They're a talent factory, but you get a couple kind of unexpected decisions, maybe, of guys staying when they could have gone. And all of a sudden... Even at a place like Alabama, that th- that throwing on that extra couple guys of veteran talent really can make a difference. After the 2007 season, those seniors famously, James Lornitis, Malcolm Jenkins, Brian Robisky, Alex Boone, Marcus Freeman, sort of decided together that they were going to stay. I don't know. Well, we don't have any evidence that everybody's decided together. But Stephen, is, could this be a thing that when you, when you keep – I think there's four guys in the end, right? Is that correct? I don't, not, I don't want to miss anybody. Four guys who stayed that maybe easily could have gone. Thayer Munford, Chris Olave, Jeremy Rucker, Tyreek Smith. Are, are we, am I couching that the right way? As yeah, far as you right now. Yeah. At least three. And if you include Smith, that would be the fourth one. Yeah. Is that something? How should we factor that in, Stephen, to whatever is happening here that like, listen, yeah, it's not the NFL stuff, of course, is important, but that these guys are trying to stack extra talent because they think they can come back and win an, of course they want to win a national title. I mean, obviously, but that that's a thing, right? That it's, they looked at Alabama and saw something and then it's not just one of them. And maybe not that it was together, but that in the end, it wound up being more than one. What does that mean for the program, Steven? I mean, it's almost the spitting image of what Alabama did if Tommy Togi, I would stay, but it's, it's, it's interesting how, you know, when you look at those two classes that were stacked on each other, that 2017 class, 2018, both number two classes, one developed immediately three years and out. This is more of a delayed uh, development, kind of like sim- similar to what Alabama 2017 was. A lot of those highly ranked guys were delayed development, which forced that. And so I, I, I think, yeah, I think losing to a team who just did that probably played in the, my, a small amount. Some, some of this is just making your own personal decisions, but a small amount for some of these guys is, yeah, we can come back and do exactly what Alabama just did to a T. A first-year starting quarterback who – kind of goes nuts. I mean, Ohio State's going to have a first-year starting quarterback. Is MPF going to be a uh, – he's pre- clearly probably going to be on the watch list for the outlet in the start of the season. Chris Olave will be on the watch list for the Blintley Golf and probably be a finalist for that award at the end of the season and, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, it's almost – you just lost to the team who showed you a blueprint of how you can come back and win a national championship the next year. Nathan, do you think the coaches spoke to some of these guys about that idea? I would think so. I would have. Um, I think there there is some responsibility for from the coaches to to give them the right advice. You know what I mean? To not try to bend their arm in a way that isn't beneficial for them. But if you go back to the week before the national championship game, Nick Saban was getting a lot of questions about the scenario you're talking about. And the point he kept bringing up was we didn't go tell guys who were guaranteed to be in first round guys that they should come back to Alabama and just like make some big sacrifice. We were telling guys that right now your draft grade is like third, fourth round. It's fallen farther down the guaranteed money that you get at those spots. It, it drops precipitously. There's a big upside to coming back, proving yourself the way that a lot of them did. And now going back into the draft pool with a, a something better at their back. So I, I think that that kind of conversation probably happened. If I was, if I was a coach, I think you have to kind of keep it to that, because it's a business decision at the end of the day. I mean, you can appeal and say, hey, special things can happen if you come back, and here's why it makes sense for you to come back. And this this is like the added benefit of it. 
Baron Browning announced that he's coming or that that he's leaving, which was right. like, you know, you know, as we said, like tough Borland and Pete Warner didn't announce that. But like, I mean, they're all leaving. Right. If some of these seniors, like it was it is a weird too. thing again. It's just like, yeah. what's that? Jonathan Cooper put out a graphic too saying uh, oh. he's declaring, even though the senior bowl had already announced that he was participating in the senior bowl. Yeah, well, I mean, they, those guys had announced that they'd accepted invites to the Senior Bowl. I don't think that necessarily committed them to going if they decided they wanted to back out. I think is the way that I've read no, that. It's, it's, it's not a. It's not. It's not. The cops don't come binding, pick you up right. if you. If <laughs> but you I'm saying that like the Senior Bowl to back out. <laughs> but I'm lie. saying that, that as as those. I'm just saying as those as those notifications are coming out. Some people were then saying he's definitely not coming back next year, and I did not do that because I don't think that that meant that. But the Senior Bowl is next week, so we'll know well, soon enough. If you I mean, accept, if you accept the invite, it means you're going to play in it, which means you're done with college. Mm-hmm. You would have had to change your mind. But so yeah, correct. But you okay. could have, right? You could have. This is what I'm saying. But but you would have had to change it in three days based on nothing, because you accepted it, and then no, nothing no, else been happened. Accepting, people have been accepting Senior Bowl invites since like the middle of the season. When did Coop accepted senior bowl invite a long time? Uh, Coops was like right after the Big Ten championship game, I believe. But some of them was much earlier than that. I'm just yeah, saying. yeah, because okay. yeah, Tufts was like before the Michigan game got canceled. Yeah, we have no reason to believe that any of the senior linebackers will be back next year. The you point are... everybody. The point is everybody got included and got a graphic today. The one senior decision to hanging out there is Haskell Garrett. Right. So Baron Browning, but he announced it. Jonathan Cooper announced it. NPF. And Seven Banks, Nathan, you've been trying to to check in on that. They're the other two actual underclassmen that actually normally, are, you know, could have a decision to make an announce, not just a senior announcing something in this weird situation. How should we read it? We're recording this at 945 on Monday night and they haven't said anything. And to Monday is the deadline to declare. I guess they're staying. I mean, is that. Is that the right read on this with the starting right tackle and this, the, the most experienced returning cornerback? So a, dis- a conversation I had late last week, maybe middle last week, Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday last week with someone around Nicholas Petit Frere was that the conversation really hadn't even come up. So I don't, I don't know how much they may have just been looking at today as like a formality. Like they don't feel like they need to declare because they weren't really considering it. I don't know that, but that that was sort of the vibe. Maybe I was getting there that they had just assumed they were coming back next year with seven banks. um, I actually just got a text back from someone saying that they are expecting an announcement at some point, but that it maybe it was coming that he was thinking about it fairly seriously, at least in the this evening. So um, by the time everybody hears this, I assume that'll be out there. But as we're sitting here, like you say, at 945 on Monday night of the night that the things are due, we haven't heard yet. And it sounds like a decision is forthcoming. So we'll see. I think that would be a, a surprise to have him come out, I think, at this point. I think that's I think NPF. I think, well, I, NPF in particular, I think, is is a little bit like, a well, no, it's like almost like the reverse of Olave because he was a five star. But then he didn't win the starting job in year two. And, we, you know, we spent time on this podcast saying, like, what does it mean? Where is he? Whatever. And then he's like, he wins the job in year three and is awesome. But he went from, why didn't you beat out, beat out Brandon Bowen to, holy moly, you're good. And it might got, it maybe got on him a little quick. As, but we also talk about the Marshawn Lattimore, Malik Hooker, like one-year starter, All-American, you're gone. But I, I could get it from an MPF standpoint of like, listen, man, I didn't even I only played eight games like I'm good, but I want to do this again. And seven banks, even I, seven banks, you know, didn't play. I don't think consistently at the level that Nicholas Petit Frere did, because I don't think seven banks played it like an all big 10 level. But I think he had a fine first year as a starter. Solid. Yeah. But he would make more sense as that often what happens here. It's like, you you know. You were like the second best cornerback a year ago. Now, just like Sean Wade was to Jeff Okuda and Damon Arnett, he stays. Now you're the guy. Seven Banks is clearly the guy in that room if he stays. And I think it would make a lot of sense for him to stay. But again, everybody makes a personal decision. All right. One last guy to talk about right after this on Buckeye Talk. All right. Actually, two last guys. Very quickly, Nathan, you mentioned Haskell Garrett's name. What is your read on sort of – What's the deadline? What's the timing on that? And and what where should people's heads be at the moment? I actually screwed this up earlier today. I think I said May in a text that I sent to people. It's March 1st. Obviously, it wouldn't be May because that's after the 
draft. So <laughs> they do have to declare before the draft that they're going to enter the draft. Um, so March 1st is the deadline for seniors to let the NFL know that they're going to not take advantage of this extra year and, uh, and enter the draft. So again, I don't know where he stands, but he's actually in a good position where he obviously gets a little bit more time to figure that out. Um, I don't know that you think about it. March 1st also runs you right up to the beginning of spring practice. So it really works out. I think sort of for both sides. I don't think Ohio state would probably want to wait that long to find out whether someone like him is coming back, but then at least you get to start the spring knowing where everybody stands. So he, when we talked to him a few weeks ago when he was asked about it, he said he was still on the fence. I, I don't really have a read which way he'll go. The fact that Togia is leaving, I, I don't know if that factors into it at all. I think they're pretty close. So does he feel more inclined to leave now that Togia is not back? Or does he feel now uh, see an opportunity in front of him to come back and, and really be the guy in the middle that can make a lot of things happen for this defense. I do know if he doesn't come back, then the combination of him and Togiai both leaving. I mean, we're talking about all these good things that have happened tonight for Ohio state on the offensive side of the ball. There's still, I think a lot of questions on defense and to have both of them leave in the middle of that defense would create a pretty huge one. So Tommy Togiai, when we did our predictions in December, uh, we all said leave and he did leave. Uh, the PFF top 100 board, he's 77th on that. But as, again, Tyreek Smith is back. He was 81. So that's how close, right? I mean, that, this is just one outlet. But viewed Tommy Togiai and Tyreek Smith basically as equal draft prospects. Tyreek Smith is staying. Tommy Togiai is leaving. Nathan, I was not surprised. I, I, I think maybe so, I saw other people thought they, that they were surprised. I was not surprised that Tommy Togiai left. Where were you? No, I wasn't surprised. I mean, I, as I said before, I had written things ahead and I had actually, I had written something kind of explaining how he affected things by coming back and how it, it kind of answered this question for the second year in a row. But, and so I had to rewrite that when the decision came in, but I wasn't surprised. Uh, I, I feel like he had just done so much this year and there's going to be so many measurables that, you know, I mean, he's going to go into the, although we can't actually be at the combine this year, we found out today, but well, virtually- not- yeah, there's not really going to be a right. There's not really right. a conflict. There's no combine. Yeah, but but virtually teams are going to watch him put up a bunch of bench press reps, and yeah. they're going. He's going to measure well. Um, I think he'll interview well and do all those things. I think people just see what he is physically. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense for him to go. I know Taraja Mitchell and Dallas Gantt were talking about on Twitter saying that that he will break the bench press rep uh, at the combine, which you know he's a strong dude. I would not be surprised. Steven, is this what you thought? Yeah, this is what I thought. I mean, he clearly won the Malik Hooker Marshall Lattimore Award for us as a third-year guy who broke out once he started getting extended snaps. Wasn't just a rotational guy on that interior. But, yeah, not surprised, but it is interesting, especially with what Haskell Garrett's decision still on the fence here. I mean, <laughs> it's Jerron Cage and Teron Benson, and who else? Maybe and Mike I wrote Hall? That. Yeah, I wrote that last summer, and I have to go back and look because I don't remember if Togiai was even on my list. Oh, of candidates for that award of the yeah. one year started to go. I, I bet yeah. you was. He's a he's a top 100 national crew. Yeah. We, we thought he might be. Uh, defensive tackle snaps, according to 11 Warriors this year. Haskell Garrett, 311. Togiai, who again, like Tyreek Smith, did not get to play in the national championship game. He had 297. So if he had played, he would have finished with the most snaps among defensive tackles because they only had 14 fewer than Garrett, and he missed a whole game. Antoine Jackson, a senior, he'll be gone, 189. So uh, if Garrett goes the defensive tackle with the most experience this year who will be back will be Vincent who had 150 snaps. So that's, I, I bet of, you know, if, if you go through and you think, okay, there's probably some guys that this coaching staff really tried to get to stay. I bet Haskell Garrett is, is pretty high on that list. I'm still interested in like what the conversation would have been with Chris Olave from the coaches of like, man, you've got it. Like, like, do you think they told him we really think you should stay? Like that doesn't so- make sense to me so here's what's interesting to me like we talk about this olave news being like shocking and like how great this is for the next ohio state quarterback and all and i think all those things are true but like if you're deciding how good ohio state can be next year where does the olave decision rank on that list because if we think that if we think that quarter that right receiver room is that talented then does, is it really more important for how good Ohio State, how many games Ohio State could win in 2021 than Togiai would have been or Thayer Munford or even Jeremy Ruckert? 
Like, I think there's some other decisions that might rank higher than Chris Olave. No, it is just because it's proven. I mean, we can say all we want about those wide receivers and those things can still be true, but we know what the combination of Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave is. And we know what that will mean to a first-year starting quarterback who's never thrown a pass. Would the Ohio State coaches trade Tommy Togiai for Chris Olave tonight? Who? <laughs> I mean, listen, this is one of those things where you get into it. It's like, okay, we, we talk about how much have, has every Ohio State fan talked about, like, all the five stars in this receiver room? And then yeah. it's like, okay, well, but you don't know for sure. They're unproven. It's like, well, you're never going to know if they don't get on the field. They're five yeah. stars. They're all five stars. Now, of course, nothing is assured. <laughs> but guess what? If you got one guy in there who's not quite going to cut it, there's three more five stars lined up behind him. Literally. <laughs> Garrett Wilson made a big leap from year one to year two, right? We saw how much better. So to expect maybe that Julian Fleming or G Scott or what Jackson Smith, the Jigma would be, I don't know, but I was going to say to expect that they'd be an all big 10 level receiver next year. is like actually would make total sense. It really would. That's what happens here. You're a five-star recruit. And then when you finally get to play, you're a five-star player. It happens all the time. So I, I think you make a very interesting point, Nathan, and I just – I can't believe that room, which is what we're going to talk about on the Offensive Death Chart podcast. But, yeah, th- there are some guys – just like Thayer Munford, we said he's great to have back. Like some people are saying – there are a lot of people on Twitter, and it's not wrong, saying like, hey, a lot of guys made decisions at Ohio State to stay at Ohio State. Boy, oh, boy, they're going to be loaded next year. And, again, it's four guys. Thayer Munford, he's a great player they were prepared to go on without him. So does that change, really change who they are as a team next year? Not really. And that is nothing against Thayer Munford, right? Um, Tyreek Smith, they've got defensive ends lined up here. I do think Tyreek Smith changes it more, right? Just because you're losing Coop and Zach Harrison's there, but you got a lot of other, I I think Tyreek Smith is a pretty big guy to stay. And Jack Sawyer might be awesome, but he's still a freshman. He's still a freshman. So I think that is Tyreek Smith is a pretty big one. Jeremy Ruckert, I think, is a pretty big one because who else are you going to play at tight end? But he's only as big as the opportunities they give him. So, yes, boy, he's a talented guy who easily could have gone to the NFL. But it's I, I'll sort of believe it when I see it that his oppor- – now he's a great blocker now, and that's going to matter. Trevion Henderson should be glad that Jeremy Ruckert stayed. So I get that. But, again, I and then Olave, to your point, Nathan, it's like is is – is the return of Chris Olave the difference between them winning the national title or not? Because honestly, yes, it was a big deal that Devontae Smith came back, but then he was their second best receiver and their best receiver got hurt and they won the national title without their best receiver. So like if Devontae Smith would have left and Waddle wouldn't have gotten hurt, like they would have been the same team probably right because at Alabama that's also a position of strength right now so is Chris Olave the difference as crazy as it sounds he might be an all-american he will contend to be the best receiver in the country next year but is he the difference between them winning the national title or not I don't know but like to your point Tommy Togiai and Haskell Garrett might be because of the difference in who's behind them if they're not here but then the other, the flip side of that is then they have to get Chris Olave back because if you thought this team had to score a lot of points to win games, wait till next year. Right. I just, yeah, we got to do, we got to do the death chart podcast. Okay. So do we think I like working out the pod plans on the air? Are people like excited to get to the death chart podcast now? I think it's a, it's the natural yeah. next step of this. Okay. Of this. It's literally been, so what does that mean for the wide receivers? Is somebody going to transfer? So, so should we make this, do we have time to come back on Tuesday and do the, make it a big Wednesday pod and really focus on the offensive depth chart and get into everything we need to get into about this, maybe do a little extra nonsense on the side and then maybe follow that up with a slightly smaller, but still important defensive depth chart pod the day after. But is that what we want to do next? We'll go right into this receiver discussion. I guess Tuesday. Isn't there way more question on the defensive side of things than there is on offense? I think there's more, but they're like normal questions of you lost some guys who's going to replace them while on the offensive side, it's some dudes came back that you didn't think were coming back. Now, what are we going to do? 
I mean, I think there's probably more questions on the defensive side. I think the discussion is more complicated on the offensive side because we got to figure out where everybody fits on the offensive line, where everybody fits in the receiver room, where everybody fits at running back, and what's going to happen at quarterback. So, and, you know, offense is a little sexier. It's a little sexier. No offense. I don't know. It's a little, a little sexier. So I think we'll do that. So we'll do that. But we'll also, so we're trying to figure out how this is all going to work. It's going to be Tuesday through Saturday. We will still have, plan to have that big, bigger pod, that more like a two-hour pod in the middle of the week. Um, so I think we'll have that be Wednesday. But I do want to break up offense and defense because I don't want to shortchange any of that because that's like the most important thing. It's like, who's going to, what's the team going to look like next year? So we'll plan on having that Wednesday offensive depth chart. Make sure you guys are here to join us. We're still doing the texts. Man, Nathan was just pumping out stuff today. Steven dropped some quarterback, uh, some of his quarterback thoughts in there today. If you're not getting it, it's a great time to try it out. It's always a great time to try it out. 614-350-3315. Drop the reviews at Apple Podcasts. Keep reading. Cleveland.com slash OSU. Uh, thanks for making Buckeye Talk part of your day. For Nathan and Steven, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.